Should we start? Yeah, we'll start. All right. Hey, gone. My name's Jake Kerr, and this is a Black Ink podcast. I believe this is episode number 12. And if you've heard all of them up to now, thank you for listening. I hope you're enjoying yourselves. It's really cool to see which podcast is kind of performing, performing better than others and which ones aren't performing at all. And I think a lot of it has to do with the title in the first like five minutes. So I hope I'm captivating enough right now to keep your attention for the rest of this 45 minutes. Now, I did want to touch on one thing. I've been going back and listening to my podcast, which I do anyway, but I'm going back and re-listening to um, some of the earlier ones just so I can get a grasp of like things that I've got better at and things that I haven't got better at. Um, one of the things I did notice is my uh, Critically Thinking Brilliant Men episode has probably been the one that has caused the most amount of conversation. And hey, buddy, let's not lick my leg. All good. And I think... um. One of the things that I forgot to mention in that episode was I talked a lot. If you didn't listen to the episode, definitely go back and listen to it now. I think it's number seven. Um, I, t- I, spoke a- I spoke a lot about how particular people in my life have led me to have, uh, I would say, they have guided my journey into being a man and they have caused me to have these particular thoughts about myself and about the environment around me and about my community and things like that. They've been the catalyst for a lot of things that have happened to me in my life. And I didn't I didn't go too much into the actual um, events and moments. I spoke about some to, to see so I had like an example or an analogy to like refer to. But I think it's really interesting. I want to expand on a little area there that's only just come to mind that I thought would be interesting. I've always been, and it also kind of ties into my last episode as well about why I got a vasectomy or the episode before that, sorry. Um, I've always been super scared that I would be the person who says that one thing that changes someone's life forever. And I think when I break down why, it's because up until very recently, I thought that whatever I've had to say didn't really have much value to the world. And I think even now, to a certain extent, I feel that that is still true, but some of my, uh, I would say, sensibility that comes with growing up has led me to believe that even if you feel like you're some sort of a, of an imposter or you don't have like a valid thing to talk about, that's part of having something valid to talk about. You know, a scientist is trying to get the truth, not their not their biased opinion on something. They're you know running the experiment, so logically they can say, well, this is what this is because that what that's what the facts show. And I think in being a human and being a man and having something to say that you believe to be a fact but is you know a lot of these ideas that I talk about are quite intangible they don't they're not something that you can really pressure test besides running them out in life and seeing how they work for you and conversing with other people and seeing how how they've worked for them and trying not to let yourself get in your own way too much and that whole process obviously there is these human blinders or even human conditions that we put in place with ourselves that go like if you think you're all that then you're probably not all that if you think you're the smartest person in the room then it's probably the person who you think is the dumbest who might have the competitive edge as far as knowledge and the ability to communicate that knowledge or you know make it like usable in their day-to-day life so the thing that i have noticed is now i'm getting a little bit older you know i've said a few times i'm 28 i turned 29 this year first day of summer with the things that I have to talk about, I find now that what I, I talk about them because I have thought about them. You know, I have, especially when I spend time with kids and that, I really focus on the areas that I take the conversation. I focus on the things that I'm talking to these kids about. And when I consider what I'm talking about, I always keep in the back of my mind, I know that people said things to me when I was young, one line, 
that completely changed how I thought about things. Maybe not there and then, but like moving forward, it might've been a couple of years later, you go, oh yeah, that person said that. And then it caused you to have that follow-up thing of like, well, fuck, how do I think about that? And so on. And that's basically what I was talking about in that Critically Thinking Brilliant Men episode, uh, number seven. And I just think it's interesting now as an adult, when I think about like, I'm no longer, it kind of ties into the idea of why I didn't want to have kids either, because I just don't know which one of those millions of things that you tell your kids as they're growing up is going to be the thing that they hold on to, and it transforms them into the person that they become. You know, I think uh, I've definitely spent a lot of my life, I feel having an internal battle with myself trying to be the son that uh, my parents want me to be. And not in a negative way at all, I don't think. I, I feel like there is definitely a picture of who your parents want you to be in your mind that you've created through all those experiences and, and you know all the little situations that you have growing up that you definitely have some sort of like aspiration or expectation to become that person. And part of growing up is becoming something completely different, realizing that it wasn't that thing that you thought your parents wanted or maybe it is exactly what your parents wanted and being happy with the fact that they're not the same thing. You know, realizing that you are turning into this my personal experience is I'm turning into this person that is so far from the idea of who I thought I was going to be. It's so alien and it's so unique, but at the same time, I'm so accepting of whatever it is and whatever direction it takes that I try not to judge myself with whatever happens in the meantime. And I think part of uh, how I act now, especially around kids and especially what I say, I am a little more fearless in my pursuit of saying something that's worthwhile. I let myself say things that I know I've thought about and go like, yep, well, that that to me is how the human experience works or that is how I feel about this particular thing. And I know, you, you know you're probably thinking like, fuck, man, what are you talking to these kids about? Like the mysteries of the universe. It's right down to how we treat people and how we communicate with people. And as I've pointed out with heaps of emphasis in previous podcasts is like being able to treat kids with like the respect as if they're an adult so they can take themselves seriously in their thoughts and ideas so I think you know obviously I don't have a a developed idea that I'm actually saying here I don't have something that I want to communicate I think it's just the idea that being aware of the fact that you know if you say something to a kid even in a joking manner that can be something that they might take with them for the rest of their lives and let them dictate a particular element of their life and it's all based around this one thing that may have even just be said in passing it wasn't like you sat the kid down and said, now look, you can't eat ice cream all day because you're going to be fat. You're going to turn out fat and then they have body dysmorph- dysmorphia forever. It's like, you know, the kid might at a party grab a handful of chips and a handful of red snakes and then buddy have something under his arm as he's walking away and you go, what are you doing, little piggy? And then he goes, oh yeah, and then goes away and then goes, oh, I guess I am a little piggy, you know? So it's like the difference the difference between like sitting down and having that conversation and it being a passing comment in something that was just happening, a situation, you know, they can kind of maybe have the same result. So I think it's just super, I feel like also tied into being uh, like, I my, my journey that I've had journey, my experience as a human so far, my previous 28 and a half years have been that I'm a single child who's done a lot of traveling and and done a lot of uprooting and resettling, uprooting and resettling. And then when I was 10, been in pretty much the same place since I was 10 besides some travel here and there. And I think one thing that I really uh, appreciated uh, as an adult that I look back, one thing I appreciated about my childhood as an adult was the fact there was a lot of emotional discipline. 
and not so much that I was uh, not so much that my emotions themselves were disciplined by me or my parents, more so that my parents had a very good sense of control over me as a child emotionally. So <clears throat> obviously, like every human responds to pain, and I don't want to get into the conversation of whether or not you should hit kids or not. I wasn't, I wasn't hit, hit. You know what I mean? Like everyone got the hairbrush and wooden spoon on from time to time and that's kind of you know that's a part of character building as well i mean you can't have a child go through no pain it's like you can't really trust someone who's never broken a bone before they don't really fucking know themselves you know but another conversation i feel like when when uh, a parent has that connection with their child where it's if you know if the child disappoints you and the disappointment means something to the child that your disappointment in them that is an emotional discipline that will teach them a heaps better lesson than giving them a fucking ass whooping. You know what I mean? I feel like when parents have that connection with their child, and I mean, this is this is all obvious things. You know, I feel like I'm only having this conversation because I'm in a stage in my life where I'm starting to think, what would life be like if I was a parent? I'm starting, and it's not that I even want kids. It's more the fact that I'm starting to have enough experience as a human that I'm, I have these retrospective thoughts thinking like, right, this is what happened for me as a child. And then I talk about, you know, these sorts of things with my partner and I hear what happened to her as a child. And then I have friends, my uh, conversations with my friends and you find out what happened to them as a child. And then you have this almost comparative retrospective thought about what happened, what could have happened, how you've turned out, the lane ways that it took to turn out like that. And then also on top of that, the sort of life and sort of environment I would want to create for my child or my children. And I just think that the uh, the emotional discipline side of things, like being able to like lock in with this little human that, but you know, besides from you doing the deed, would never have come about. You know what I mean? Like this is a direct result of something that you've done in your life, a decision that you've made, or or a series of decisions that you've made that have that has led to this situation where you have this human that is fifty percent you in front of you, and to have. To like, first of all, want that relationship with that child where you go, you know, nothing else matters now. Like nothing else matters. Now that I have this, nothing else matters. Like I know with my puppy, and I know it's one of those things, if, if you're a parent, you're like, dude, talking about your dog, just just shut the fuck up. It's not nowhere near the same. Well, the one thing that having a dog uh, did for me is it was a, it was a voluntary responsibility that I that I went out and got myself, you know, and I put off getting a dog for a long time, uh, a long, long time, even when some circumstances were better to have a dog in my life where I had a house and I had, you know, I had things going on and all the rest. And now I'm kind of living in a caravan and just, you know, obviously hustling with a, a new small business and, you know, can't put up fences and stuff like that. Uh, but the thing is like, when I did get my dog, it was like after such a long time of going, well, if I was going to have a dog, how, how would I do it? And growing up, I was never a dog person. I've never wanted a dog because like we had a dog in the family and all the rest. I think there was just this almost like something written in my bloody path that was in the back of my mind that one day I would have a dog. And, you know, then, then the thing starts. You go, well, I would want a dog that would literally be with me 24-7. I want a dog. I also want a job so that my dog can come with me and be next to me all the time and also, you know, be a part, almost like, you know, you think of a truck driver who has a dog who, who delivers our, uh, livestock and that. And you have the dog who sits in the bloody, don't know if they sit in the truck with you in the cab, but like the dog is always with the driver. You know, the driver's never without the dog. The driver goes into the servo and gets a chips and a burger and sits there and gives the dog some of the chips. That's a whole idea, you know? So when 
when I was beginning to, well, not even beginning, when I went through the process of asking myself these questions, like, well, what happens when I have this dog? What sort of lifestyle are we going to have? What are the conditions that we have to think about that we're both going to be under? You know, including my partner and my living situation, the dog itself, the food, the cleanup, the, the, the maintenance, the, you know, all the rest. And then understanding that from the day you get that dog, it shouldn't be a surprise that there is not a minute in that day that the dog is not thinking about you and relies on you, especially at the start, especially at the start. And knowing that you're now not going to go back to a time before this dog and get any of that back. You're going to have times where you don't have the dog for, you know, 12 hours or 48 hours or maybe a week if you're doing something crazy, but then you're going to come back to that life. And it can't be any sort of like, you can't be come back to it like the same way you go back to work after a holiday. It's like, now you're going to come back to this thing and just be like, oh my God, I haven't seen you for so long. You know what I mean? Like, it's so great to see you. And I think to, maybe, maybe I'm having another conversation here as far as like when people decide that they're going to have a child or that they're going to keep the child that they accidentally created or that they're going to go ahead. It's, it's, there should be something in there that says, from that day and almost from the moment you find out but from the day that that child is entering the world and born there is nothing else it is that child it is that child i mean if you want to talk about the bare minimum amount of time that it's going to take for it for that not to be the case start thinking about it when they're 16 or 17 you can start thinking about what's going on in your life but it's far like it seems so crazily obvious to me that nothing else would be anywhere near important compared to anything to do with that child my child you know and in that that allows you to say like I feel that that makes you valid to have that sort of emotional connection with your child because you are coming from an integral place where you made a decision to make everything everything that matters about them right so instead of when they do something bad it's like I'll fucking hit you it's like hey man this is all for you. Like I, like you fuck up. That's great. That's great. Everyone fucks up. We learn from our fuck ups. As a businessman, I try to make as many educated fuck ups as I can. So I get closer to the thing that actually works because the reality is it's like one in a million things work and that one in a million things makes you money. So if we get all the bad things out of the way, we know all the things that don't work, it gets us closer to the thing that does work. And I feel like having a child and being a child is much the same process. And if you're a smart ass like me, then you want to see you know, is the paint really wet when you see a wet paint sign? So you go up and you touch it. You push the boundary every time. You know, you're not allowed to bounce balls in the house. It's like, what if I bounce a tennis ball in the house? You're not allowed to rollerblade in the house. What if I just rollerblade in the laundry? You know, so it's like all these little, it's your job as a human growing up and getting more experience in the world as to how far you can push the envelope and especially your envelope and like who better to test it on than your parents. But if you're being met with a resistance that is physical, a physical um, discipline or a, you know, house. I mean, I, I even want to bash apart the idea of putting kids in like the naughty corner. It's like, man, where's the conversation? Like, I'm not saying that kids are going to respond 100% of the time if you sit down and have a conversation with them. But I, what I am going to say is the longevity of having a conversation with a child, starting that routine of like, hey, man, this isn't what we do. Why are you doing it? What makes you feel like this is the right thing to do? What, you know, is there something else that we can fill in this gap? Do you understand that this isn't the right thing? And do you understand that, that, do you understand why this isn't the right thing and the implications that it can have and so on and so forth? And yeah, I know probably the first fucking four, five, six, seven years of those conversations are absolutely pointless. 
but at least then you've got a conscious thinking person who at least in the situation of doing something wrong, fucking up, which is a regular occurrence in life, they're gonna be able to manage the situation with their words. So they might have feelings and they might have emotions, but they can express it and they can better understand, right, you don't like feeling like this? That's all good, here's the tools to not feel like this in the future. And there's that emotional discipline to sit down with a child and say, hey man, like, Look, we do have those disciplinary things. You want to go sit in the car? You want to go sit in the room? You want to to fucking not play with this thing? Do you not want to have this toy for a week? Whatever it is. And those obviously are effective, but like, let's not start with those. Let's start with a conversation because at least with the conversation, I mean, you want to cut all the bullshit aside. When a child thinks you're disappointed with them, you're mentally fucking them up. You know what I mean? Like, I know when my parents are disappointed in me, there is nothing worse in the world that could hurt me than knowing that they're not happy, you know? And this is a slightly different example, but when I was in Colombia, dying of fucking parasites because I had some ceviche that I shouldn't have had on a fucking, in a mountain park at a beach, I don't want to go into it. The last thing I'm going to do is tell my mum that I'm sick in Colombia because can you imagine how she would feel? And then can you imagine how I would feel knowing how she feels? And then on top of that, I'm also fucking dying in Colombia, you know? Long story short, I talked to someone who knew what was going on and I got fixed up after a week of thinking I was going to die and not being able to keep down bloody Powerade. But great story for another day. I feel the emotional discipline that you can imply on a child is like the greatest free weapon that you have. And at the same time, it allows you to build this this relationship with your child that is so much more than just that parent and child relationship. It's more, more of a logical, like we can use this as a framework to figure out so many other things besides these little learning experiences that you're having. And as I've spoken about in previous uh, podcasts, a lot of my... Actually, no, I haven't really touched on this in, in the other podcast. I feel like a lot of my success, if that's what you want to call it, you know, this, I would call at the moment, the thing that is my success is the ability to use my mind in the way that I use it. The ability to apply uh, processes and um, <clears throat> processes and like ways of doing things th- to completely other situations than where I've learned them, right? So even explaining like as a speed skater, you either go in a straight line or you turn left. And if you're really good at doing your corners at turning left, then you work on being in a straight, uh, doing your straight line technique and vice versa. And like just having that piece of information and being to apply it into like, right, your business is doing really well in this area. Where is your business not doing well? Let's focus on that. Let's let the thing that's working really well just work for now. And let's focus on this thing, get really good at that. Let's get so good at this that by the time we look at that again, we can leave that alone and go work on this again. So using that as an analogy, being able to cross-reference these learning processes and like being able to apply them to different situations and different elements of your life, that's where the real gravy comes from. And having these conversations with these kids that I'm talking about is allowing them to build these processes of conflict resolution and like even being able to, what's the word when you like being able to damage control their own situations and situations that they're in with with like just poise, just like being able to to rock up with their best face forward in whatever situation it is. And even letting people know that if you've fucked up, I mean, unless you've killed someone or you've done something crazy, if you've fucked up, most of the time it's just a conversation. And even if it's uncomfortable conversation, it's just a conversation, you know? And speaking from a boy's perspective, teaching a boy to be able to have a conversation where they say, I was wrong, I fucked up. You know what I mean? As a boy, 
as a competitive male, the last thing I want to tell you is that I fucked up or I got it wrong. I would rather spend another six months figuring out how I can reverse the fact that I'm trying to say that I got wrong just to make sure that I'm right in six months time rather than tell you that I'm wrong. But the reality is when I go back to my training, when I go back to like these situations that I had with my mum and like my mum is the one who handled the majority of the situations as far as like talking through things and figuring out exactly what happened and managing emotions and letting me feel bad when I needed to feel bad and comforting me when I needed to be comforted, which is obviously it's, it's a whole other thing of its own. You know, I think there is sometimes where, you know, <clears throat> I, uh, I sold my stamp album, uh, that mum and I basically put together for, it might've been a couple of years. It could have been six months. I'm not sure. But being the little hustler that I am, I was getting everything in my room and going and selling bits and pieces that I could at school. And I sold this fucking stamp album to a girl called Kimberly while I was living in Port Hedland. She had a pet, um, oh, what are they? Thorny face lizard or whatever they are. And they got the spikes all over their body. She had one of those as a pet. Anyway, she bought this stamp album off me. And I even remember the look on her face when I sold it to her. She was like, this is, this is crazy. I remember it had every single Sydney Olympic 2000 game stamp in there. And the first one I got was, I think, Lauren, Lauren, um, oh, fuck. I don't, I don't want to say Lauren Reynolds because she's a BMX rider from Bunbury. I think it's Lauren O'Brien, no, Lauren someone. And she was the Australian Taekwondo um, player who bloody got a gold. And I was doing Taekwondo at the time, so it was a big deal. But I remember when I told mum about that, she goes, she's like, oh, where's your stamp up? And this is like a couple of weeks later because I thought I won't bring it up. She won't know. It'll all be good. She asked me a couple of weeks later and I was like, oh, I like trying to sell it like I, it was a good thing. I sold it to Kimberly. I got 25 bucks for it. And she goes, oh, Jake. And then left it at that. Fuck me. I feel like my, my heart went cold telling you the story. I still feel bad for doing that, you know? And it's like what the lesson exactly was in that. I mean, I probably could break it down. I've got a, another 20 minutes to figure it out. But I mean... There's 20 different lessons in that. And the fact is my mum had the maturity, the responsibility and the love for me in that moment to let me feel shit about it, even though I know her seeing me feel bad would have been torture for her. You know, it was a learning experience where it's like, nah, man, fuck you. Go and feel bad for a minute because what you did, you didn't think about, you didn't talk to me about it, whatever it is. Go and learn a lesson. I don't want to, I just go and learn a lesson, you know? And man, I feel like, you look at the generation now, I, I, I reference this generation word too much because I feel like even the age difference between me and my partner, she's almost in a generation of her own because the way that kids grow up now, it's literally so different year to year based off how much exposure you've had to technology. But I mean, even the whole PG culture talks are the same thing that I'm bringing up here. People are spending too much time loving themselves. Like, way too much time loving yourself. What you really need to do is spend some time fucking hating yourself. And this is why I talk about, you know, the the benefits of getting addicted to something and letting it absolutely riddle who you are as a person than trying to get off that thing and figuring out who you are because there is a certain element in that you're going to fucking hate yourself. And I think, you know, the generation that brought me up, the generation, you know, my parents' generation, they just straight up had it harder than us. And the generation before that had it heaps harder than them. And you can see how it's happened. You know, my grandparents wanted a better life for their kids. 
and they made it you know reasonably better and then my parents wanted to make sure that everything exactly what I was talking about at the start of this podcast you know they wanted to make sure right this is it this is for him now let's make sure it's a fucking killer time that's all that's all we're really concerned about let's make sure it's a killer time and they did exactly that now I feel my parents you know interesting circumstance the way I grew up the fact that we traveled so much you know that we traveled interstate from day dot and then it was all over the state doing different things blah 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 um, I think there was uh, definitely an appropriate amount of emotional discipline in there. Um, I think when I look at people that are my age and younger or you know similar to my age, there is a lot of people who didn't have a lot of emotional discipline as kids and I seem to I feel like they're trying to get some sort of fulfillment or some sort of like void in themselves filled with possessing things. And I think that's a pretty human thing to have is like wanting to own things and like being able to measure your value in the things that are around you and the, the feeling that you get from the environment that's around you. You know, if you're surrounded by white tabletops and a beautiful vase with a single flower and a beautiful stove top and a nice this, a nice couch and the big TV and you see no wires, it makes you feel a particular way and you can, you can take that feeling and let it be who you are and let it embody your character. And that's all got to do with the things that you can afford, the situation you can afford to put yourself in, which is this whole thing I'm talking about, owning things. But you look at the bullshit that people own trying to fill these things. And I feel like, like there should be a part of you that when you have that bullshit thing, when you buy it and you take it back to your car and you put it in your car and you're like, yeah, cool. Okay. Besides a bit of buyer's remorse, if it's stupid, you should feel like a fucking idiot. If you just paid $500 for a pair of shoes and you still have to fucking like if you had to borrow the money to get that thing, especially if it's super unessential, like you should feel hell dumb. You should feel hell dumb. Like, I don't want to go into the whole like, you know, no, I'm not even going to touch on overweight people because it's just, you know, fuck, you know, shit. I think people need to, I don't know why we run away from feeling bad, you know? I feel like if you said to someone like, I'm sick of daylight, I've had enough of daylight, I'm living it at, at night, it just is what it is. During the day, I've, I've already figured it out, I've painted it over my windows, I've got newspaper in the corners so the light can't come through and this is what I'm going to do from now on, okay? There is just simply going to come a time where you can't help it, you're going to have to be in daylight for whatever reason. It's just, un, it, it, it doesn't work that you're going to try and live in a world that is dark without light and I feel like feeling shithouse, especially about yourself, it's just fucking essential. It's just essential. You know, like you've got a whole world full of people who are too anxious to step out of their front door for whatever reason. People who are scared of public situations. People who are scared of having a conversation. People who don't answer their phone anymore because they don't know what the, the number on the screen is. Like people used to not answer private numbers. Now people won't answer a number if they don't have the f number saved in their phone. Like what sort of bitch are you? Like how important do you think you are that someone's going to jack your whole life up with one phone call and they didn't even put their number on private. Like, what is going on? You know, people who do absolutely no exercise and then also have problems with depression and being able to manage their thoughts and being able to manage their diet and all the rest. It's like, yeah, because your body has a certain amount of like fucking essential human activity you have to do during the day and you're not doing any of it, any of it. And I feel like the depths of self-loathing are there. They almost go hand in hand. If you really fucking hate yourself, what a better time to go and do exercise and hurt yourself. You know? How about getting some lactic acid in your quads and shutting the fuck up? 
How about realizing all these things that you've been defending in your mind forever? They're just dumb thoughts that you came up with a while ago and never tested them and now they are who you are. How about just hit the reset button? How about go and try this, you know, and this goes full circles back to the thing I say just about every podcast now. Go do something that you don't want to do. It's that simple. Allow yourself to, you know, if, yeah, sorry, I should probably circle this back to where I started. The, the, the self-loathing part of life, I feel like is almost, you should have an allocated amount of time per week or per day where you go like, these are the things that I'm not actually that happy with, you know? And if it's like, you know, you slept in 20 minutes, you, you snoozed your alarm twice and you're like, you know what? That made me rush around. And because of that, I didn't get to drink, you know, I didn't get to drink my water as soon as I woke up. And instead of having a piss when I first woke up, I had to have a piss when I got to the thing that I was doing first thing in the morning, which also meant that, you know, my dog didn't get to go out and do a thing. Or it can be even bigger than that. You can say, I've snoozed my alarm three times every day for the past six years. And because of that, you know, you, you say you've snoozed your alarm for 20 minutes every weekday. So we're at, oh, fuck, I'm not going to be able to do the maths because it's not a round number. But, you know, let's say you've got an hour and a half every week. So that's three, so that's six hours a week. You're talking 60, 70, uh, 72 hours a year that you've just missed out on because you snooze your alarm twice every day. 72 hours. It's a fucking hectic amount of time. So... Having that time with yourself during the day, during the week to go like, you know, what are the things that I'm happy with? What are the things that I'm not happy with? And letting yourself actually feel shit about the things that you're not happy with. And then being able to set steps in the future to go like, right, here's the thing that I wasn't happy with. And here is an active step that I can take literally today or tomorrow so that when I have this conversation with myself tomorrow, I don't have this same problem that I'm having now. You know, you're still going to feel shit about something, whatever that thing may be, because obviously that conversation has to come. But you're go- you, you almost put yourself in a situation where I, and like you put yourself in a situation where if you are doing this every day, you do get to a point where you get sick of feeling guilty that you make changes about the things that you thought you couldn't make a change about because you're sick of having that conversation with yourself and being like, well, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't. You get to a point where you go like, well, what can you do? What little part, like even if you can't solve the whole problem, what little part of the problem can you solve and make that the thing that you identify through? You know, so it's like, oh, I can't do exercise because, you know, I, my say you can't exercise because you got a sore knee or whatever. Well, I can't. I'm putting on weight. I got a sore knee. I'm putting on weight. I got a sore knee. Okay, what's everything I can do without having to get up? Can I sit in this chair and just fucking curl shit, lay back, chest press it, put it over my head, put it out the side here, fucking roll my shoulder around? Can I get a kettlebell and move it side to side and get so my fucking upper body is at least doing something? You just get sick of having the same conversation over and over and you let that turn into the thing that changes you into the person that you want to become. You let that self-loathing be the reason that you are better. And I, you know, now that I say it out loud, I probably would say this, that I do have a certain amount of... Um, space in my brain where I always feel like I'm a step behind where I want to be and that self-loathing self-loathing kind of ties into that feeling a little bit but at the same time that's the reason I'm a motherfucker that's the reason I'm getting it that's why I don't have any room in my mind for failure because if I keep feeling like this I'll keep getting better and I'll keep righting my wrongs and I'll keep getting better at the things that I'm shit at so therefore I'm going to always be moving forward. I definitely do have space for that self-loathing and that self-hate so I can knit out all the shit that I don't want in my life 
because you know what? There's nothing else going on. Like you think that you've got this hell important job and you think you've got this hell important income and relationship and car and ring and suit and fucking fill in the fill in the blank, but you don't. Like you don't. The whole point of being here is trying to figure this thing out and figuring it out with money and figuring it out with like, you know, it's cool to do cool things on the weekend and all the rest. But at the end of the day, what are you doing? What's going on? Have you figured out anything that's going on yet? Or have you fallen into the same trap of just like, oh, well, I guess I'll buy a house. I guess we'll get married. I guess this chick is the one I want to end up with. I guess we'll get a dog. I guess we'll get a massive dog, even though we've got a small area. I guess I'll get a motorbike. What's going on? You know, let yourself dislike the things that you don't like and feel guilty because you've let it happen for so fucking long and then make a change. How wild does that sound? Look, it's like, you know, I had this interesting relationship with my dad when it comes up. I, sorry, I'll, I'll start again. I have a beautiful relationship with my dad. I'm super lucky to have someone <clears throat> like him as, as my male role model. Um, we have interesting situations when we look at doing jobs, right? So obviously when you do a job with your dad, there's this fucking weird competition thing where you're both essentially pissing into the wind because it doesn't matter who wins. We're just here to do a job. But my, my dad's extremely smart. Like he's one of those people who you tell him the job that you're about to do and the reason you're going to do it, the way you're going to do it. And he'll be like, yeah, but why wouldn't you just do it this way? And that way you're not going to use that, you know, fill in the blank. And he'll just come up with some process that you're like, oh, fucking, of course I didn't think of that because I don't have 60 years of being a man under my belt, you know? But one thing that I do find myself defending is sometimes working harder and not smarter. Now, if you haven't heard that quote, it is work smarter, not harder, right? I first heard about this quote when I was uh, working for a bloke called Marty McAllister who had, at the time, a bouncy castle business. And uh, we were rolling up this bouncy castle. And I forget exactly what we did differently. I think... I think uh, we, we did some job differently where instead of it taking six blokes, it only took three blokes and Marty stood back and I said, well, it'd be easier with you fucking helping us if, you know, if you were helping us, it'd probably, you know, be a little bit easier again. He goes, work smarter, not harder, Jake. And I thought about that and I thought, well, it only applies to him in this situation, but the motherfucker's right. I can't put that past him. But what I'm talking about is actually the opposite of that, that thing that we're talking about, working harder and not smarter. I think not all the time, on occasion, where the opportunity presents itself and it's, you know, it's not a, how would I say this? When the opportunity presents itself to work hard and it's not detrimental to your time or your day or whatever's going on and taking it with both hands, I think that's where there's heaps of fucking fruit and it's for free. So dad's got a little excavator and we're talking about moving some dirt from here to there, right? And it's about, you know, it's far enough to justify getting this little excavator out and moving the dirt from here to there. I said, oh, yeah, but we could also shovel the dirt into a wheelbarrow, wheelbarrow it across and then tip it up. My dad's like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, we'll get the excavator. And I said, no, 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 it's not that much dirt. By the time you get the excavator out of the shed, you drive it the whole way over there, you pick up one, you know, it's not a huge excavator. It's a little excavator. You're going to have to track it backwards and forwards. You've got a little batter bucket on there. I said, I can have a wheelbarrow down there in a minute and I can have it full in the next minute. You know what I mean? Like, I'm 28. I'm a fucking savage. Like, bro, you want to see me with my shirt off? It's a joke, okay? It's not awesome. I'm saying it's a joke. 
So the reason I think that I like things like that is because like it ties into a few different thoughts. And the first one is like, I like doing things like that to know that I can still do them. I'm at an age now where people that I went to school with can't touch their toes anymore because they haven't stretched at all since they left school. They probably haven't stretched when they were a kid. You know what I mean? I like touching my toes every day, doing the Asian squat every day, you know, reaching up as far as I can every day just to know that I can do it. You know, just being able to, to look side to side, knowing that your head still has that movement so that you don't get to 55 and then one day go to look past here and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, what's going on? So I like... I like the idea of, and obviously I'm, I'm a bit light in the ass when it comes to hard work in general these days, because a lot of my work happens behind a camera or behind a laptop or, you know, communicating with people, which is just, you know, having coffee and shit like that. So obviously I don't, I don't, I'm not exposed to hard work. Like, you know, I guess blokes typically are at my age, but even when there is an option to do a job where there is an easier way, if there is a if there is a way of doing it that involves you participating a bit more, especially in a physical sense, I think taking that option is so beneficial to feel the weight on the shovel of that dirt, to like connect with the job that's going on and not have that mentality of like, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? Instead of embracing exactly what's going on, and then as soon as you have that thought where your back starts to hurt and your fucking, your left arm is absolutely killing you because it never has to carry this much weight. And you're like, what the fuck? Why didn't we just get the excavator down here? Now you're in it. Now we're doing it. That's the time. Like if you're in the gym and you think your bullshit 12 reps is you done, no dickhead. You should start counting when the burn starts. That's when the 12 is because up until then, you're not even in the right energy system to be tearing muscle. You know what I mean? Like, bro. Adenosine triphosphate, if you don't know what it is, educate yourself. It's like letting yourself get to a point where you fucked and you wish you hadn't done it and kept on going. That's where you start to learn who you are. That's when you learn that, you know, okay, the last time I did something like this, it took me 30 seconds to hate the idea of doing it. And this time it took me like four or five minutes. What's happening? There's something there. It's a little bit of information, but if you did this, say again next week and the week after and then there's a few more opportunities you know someone says to you oh do you mind coming down and give me a hand with these pavers or whatever and instead of going like dude fuck that noise we're not good enough friends fucking oath fuck yeah and then when you get there try and do more than them not for them for you and see how long it takes before you want to quit then and then when you do want to quit see how much you can do before you actually do quit it's another thing you know I love seeing people in, the, like, especially, you know, when you see girls on Instagram and they're like deadlifting, like, the bar and maybe a 15 kilo plate and a five kilo plate, bitch, you can probably definitely deadlift 100 kilos and you're fucking around. That's what's going on. You don't know. You're scared to push yourself. And I get it. Things like that, people just actually haven't been in a situation where they know that it's possible to pick up 100 kilos. But don't be scared to put yourself in a situation where you go, well, I wanna know. I want to know and like realizing that the depth of what you can achieve, whether it's physically or mentally is so much further than what you can actually comprehend. Like what you can do physically right now is so much beyond what you think is possible. And that's just because that's part of the human psyche. That's how humans are 
are built to operate is to protect ourselves is to go right this is 100% of our capacity if we always live within 50 to 70 we're always going to have 30 to, to stop us from getting injured to protect us to all the rest and especially we're not going to get too exhausted so we get sick of the idea but also if you voluntarily find yourself living in that 70 to 100 where you are giving more where you are finding out what the fuck pain is all about it's only you who benefits from it you know, that's where the gravy lives is in that last little bit. Because I mean, you know what you can do using 50% of your energy. You've done it up until now, you know? So look, I fucking, I've talked a lot about, I think the same thing, but a lot of different ways. I think it's been one of those where it hasn't actually been that far from each other what I'm talking about. I think, you know, obviously it all starts when you're a child and having that awesome like having those awesome things that happen where you just like, you feel terrible, you feel awkward. You're like, you, you're so, you're not encouraged to like continue making these mistakes or anything. And like knowing that you've got almost like this best friend who's keeping an eye on you from afar and letting you make these fuck ups and not explaining to you how and why and when they happen and how to not make them in the future. And then when like, when you come to be an adult and you find yourself having these beautiful organic conversations with your parents or like, you know, mentors or even friends where you're breaking down the process of like, well, this, 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 and this happen and like allowing yourself to be better as a human every time, you know, and like part of that intertwined is that is intertwined into that is that whole feeling of like, you know, I, I knew that wasn't right because I, I had this feeling in my gut. And every time I have that feeling in my gut, like I said before, like I feel my heart go cold. I know for me that I have this feeling where it starts in the outside of my rib cage. It travels on the inside of my ribs. It's a like cold ice feeling and it gets to my heart. Then it almost pulls it down a little bit. It's the same feeling I get when I have those real crazy, hectic situations on the Harley and you're like, you almost die. It's the exact same feeling. Like I have that feeling when I feel like I've done something wrong that is on such a wholesome negative level that my mum would be disappointed with me, then that's when, that's almost tied into living intuitively. It's like knowing, oh, that feeling means that we're not going to go, this doesn't end good. I don't even know what we're talking about, but I know it doesn't end good, so I'm not going to do it, you know? And also, like, I, I haven't touched on it uh, just yet, but the other end of the scale, letting yourself feel fucking awesome, letting yourself be really good, letting yourself be great. You know, there's that beautiful quote that says, uh, we're not scared that we're incompetent. We're scared that we're powerful beyond uh, that we're powerful beyond measure. And I think that's a, a quote that has lived with me since the day I heard it, would, which would be over 15 years ago. And it has not left me and meant something different every time I've thought about it as it goes through the years. You know, I feel like now it's such a it's like a, it's permission to be excellent. It's permission to be as good as you possibly can be. And don't let the thought of you being that far-fetched thing that you would never let yourself even comprehend, don't let that be the enemy. Let that be your friend. You know, like, it sounds really nice just to have enough fucking money to go and buy, you know, a new car or even just like a whole new outfit for a weekend. Like, that sounds really nice. But you know what I want more than that? To be a fucking billionaire. I want to have money to give to everyone and it genuinely not fucking worry me. I want to have enough money that the whole conversation of money isn't even a conversation anymore. It just is. And to see that in the future, to see that of myself initially, even now after months of like seeing it in my mind scares the fuck out of me. It's intimidating to think that I could become that person. But you know, as I let myself feel absolutely terrible for the bad things that I've done, 
I let myself feel absolutely brilliant for the aspirations that I have. I let myself create this character in the future that is me and I let myself chase it as hard as bloody possible because if not, why not? What's going on? What's it all for? Let that potential be the thing that scares you as much as it gets you excited to wake up and do the fucking thing every day. But, dude, who knows? I'm just a fucking e-commerce entrepreneur who, who records podcasts on his iPhone. That's right. By the way, podcasts are available on iTunes now. So if you've been struggling listening to these on YouTube or Spotify and Spotify isn't your thing, they're available on iTunes. I don't know what the go is with the album art. I can't figure it out today, but I will figure it out. Um, hopefully it'll all look good by the time you're on there and, and doing the damn thing. Make sure that you are following me or subscribing to me or liking me or whatever, wherever you're experiencing this on the platform, do whatever you need to do to let the platform know that you're into my stuff so that I can get all that information back and figure out where this is being digested the most. It's quite an interesting thing because obviously um, this primarily lives on YouTube and I do encourage people to watch this on YouTube even though I'm not really offering much more as far as like visuals are concerned but I feel like having the conversations that I have I would like to, like to think that we're having a conversation backwards and forwards rather than you're just listening to me and obviously I like to get pretty fucking crazy with my hands as you know if you watch um, but yeah uh, it does now live on, has lived on Spotify for a minute and now lives on uh, iTunes as well and Deezer, Apple, uh, sorry, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, pretty much everywhere where the majority of people stream podcasts, it's, it's now available. But I feel like um, my most valid metrics come from those on YouTube because it doesn't only tell you, like, obviously how many plays it's had and how many um, people like it and comment it and stuff like that. But more so, it tells you very specifically how much of like how much people watch it before they take off. Like a lot of people watch two minutes and seven minutes. Some, you know, obviously a lot of people watch it the whole way to the end. But one thing that it does show me is when people get they click, they'll watch the first two minutes, and then sometimes they watch some over here, and then they watch some over there. So YouTube is actually it's quite an interesting metric. But I would like to get. I think I have to wait a couple of months before I get enough information from all these other places so that my RSS feed has actual metrics I can see where people are listening to this and I can kind of tailor it to suit a little bit better. Obviously at the moment I'm using a a Rode lapel mic which if you're doing if if you're interested in doing anything similar to what I'm doing right now this mic is the shit. It's like 60 70 dollars. If you've got a phone an iPhone you need a lightning adapter for it. But otherwise it it creates I mean you be the judge it creates pretty brilliant quality um sound considering the limited setup that I've got. So yeah it's all very exciting. I've hit the 46 minute mark, so I will have to bloody pack this up and go. Um, yeah, I don't think there's, uh, at the moment, if you want a hockey jersey or a motocross jersey and you want to guarantee your spot, the first, uh, I only have a certain amount up for pre-sale and that pre-sale is open now. All you need to do is contact me via DM, via message, comment on one of my posts, just let me know so I can get in contact with you and we can get your name and details down to make sure you secure your jersey. Otherwise, uh, do me a favor, like and subscribe on YouTube, drop me a comment uh, and jump on my Instagram page. Also, you probably know this already, but I have a specific Instagram page for my for this podcast. Uh, if you're not following that, jump on there. I put little super clips up. They're nice and fun. And uh, yeah, you can show your support there. Anyway, guys, I'm going to sign out. Thank you for listening. This has been a fun one. 
Hope you have a beautiful day. Be good to your mum and yo!